This episode of For the Love with Jen Hatmaker is brought to you by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. They can be big, difficult, even scary life things, and also small inconveniences that add up day after day. The thing is, when we keep them all bottled up on the inside and just try to grin and bear it, it can start to affect us and the people around us negatively. We may even isolate ourselves, which makes it even worse. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. This was the case for me when I was at the highest stress level in my life, where the stress was even having physical consequences for me. Therapy was a huge part of my healing journey to learn how to manage the stress. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash for the love today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash for the love. Hi, everybody. My name is Remy. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, Jen Hatmaker is here, your host of the For the Love podcast. I'm so glad you're here today. Welcome to the show. Um, We are in a series now called For the Love of Music, which is a series you guys have asked for many times. And I'm so glad that you did because um, I actually love talking to these artists who help us tap into emotions we don't know we have, or we have blocked, or just help us pour it all out. There's just to me no more cathartic experience than music. Um, it's just such a gift to the world. And I cannot tell you how glad I am that you are here today. I, you are going to be so happy that you are listening to this podcast. My next guest is a real force. I mean, honestly, of talent and of courage and wait until you hear the interview of wisdom and depth. Um, she is one heck of an artist. She's a beautiful writer. Um, she has a really important story. And if you don't already know her, I'm so excited that you are about to get to know her better. So today my guest is Jennifer Knapp. She's Grammy nominated Dove award winning singer, songwriter, author, advocate. If you knew, if you were paying attention when she broke on the scene in the late nineties, um, you may know her initial records, Kansas, lay it down the way I am. They sold more than a million copies, which is insane. Uh, Jennifer Knapp was one of my very favorite um, artists. Um, and she was just everywhere back then. We could, we literally could not get enough of her. We had never heard anything like her music. She was so new and so special. Um, and so after her enormous success and really young in her early twenties, she walked away from CCM Music in 2002, at literally at the height of her career. We're going to talk a lot about that um, decision and why, as well as her return to music in 2010 with um, sort of her very honest and sincere and courageous um, confession that she just told the world in clear terms that she was gay, that she had been in a relationship since 2002. Of course, now she's married. Um at the time, I think she was one of the very first Christian artists who'd come out in such a public way. And of course, with that convi- confession just came waves of 
you know, reactions. And, and yet her faith is so beautiful and sturdy today. I can't wait for you to hear her talk about it. Um, in fact, she founded an organization called Inside Out Faith, which is an advocacy organization for LGBTQ folks of faith and their allies. Um, add to all this, she recently completed a master's degree from Vanderbilt Divinity. So like all the hand claps for her, she's smart and talented and beautiful and funny. Um, and I just really loved this conversation. I, um, I've been moved by her for a really long time. And so I will forever count this hour discussion with her as a real, um, poignant and beautiful gift. And so I know that you're going to love her and I'm so glad that you're here today. And I'm so pleased to share my conversation with the brilliant and talented Jennifer Knapp. So guys, it is definitely my like thrill to welcome Jennifer Knapp to the podcast. Thanks for coming on the show today. My pleasure. I mean, you guys, she's in Australia right now. It's breakfast. (laughs) She's got her coffee or was that tea? I have a cup of tea. It's usually like a 17 hour difference. Something yeah. like that. So I already lived the day that you're living now. That's right. I, I can tell you, Jen. How did it turn out? Day. Was it good? Yeah, yeah it's pretty good. Thank day. you. <laughs> I appreciate your prophecy. That's fantastic. Um, I, I want you to know that I have, um, I mean, sincerely loved your work for years and years and have followed you since your first album. And so I'm really grateful for everything you've ever put into the world, um, to this very day. And so glad that you're on the show today. I can't wait for my listeners who don't know you to get to know you today. So I've told them a little bit about you, a little bit about your story. Um, if you don't mind, if you would indulge me for just a minute, I'd like to roll us back to the beginning. Um, for people who are just meeting you when you were just a girl in Kansas where I also grew up. Um, so, you know, like a lot of us actually, for you, music just provided this way to say things and, and to express things that you couldn't find with just talking words. And so I wonder if you could just talk for a minute about your growing up years and when specifically you discovered that music had the power to start healing you, even, even in a rocky household. I think the the shortest version of that is kind of skipping ahead to when I got into college and the like faith and music kind of all combined in this one moment. And one of my friends was saying, you know, why don't, because I've been writing poetry for years, I've been playing music for years, I was you know, a trumpet player and yeah. I didn't really play guitar very well at that point, but it was an encouragement to kind of link my mind with my spirit and, hmm. you know, the, the songwriting that I started to do that, that at that time, and particularly with the, the faith-based music that I've done over the years, was a really deliberate attempt to try and talk about what this this newfound faith experience I was having. It was kind of a weird thing, like getting into the church, it was something I've often talked about as being maybe a double-edged sword or two sides of the yeah. coin to be a little bit more gentler, was the encouragement of my, my faith community at that time to start writing about what this experience was in my music and start talking about the spiritual process that I was going through. So I think that, you know, because I didn't know the long-term traditions, I didn't grow up in a family, an evangelical uh family like we're mm. you know good midwestern christians we went to church yeah. on easter and christmas and i had a concept of god and everyone around me believed in god but like the the concept of the evangelical christian christianity or the way that i grew up was a whole other gear I mean, those were yeah. people who lived in a different part of town right. just looking back 20 years ago and going, 
you know, what, what made the contribution that I had to, to contemporary Christian music unique. And and that's what I would tell you is I didn't know the culture. And so hmm. when the culture was weird or foreign or alien or yeah. difficult for me to put on that showed up in the questions that I asked, not just about my community, but about my faith as, as a whole, because my right. community would tell me, this is what faith is. This is who God hmm. is. And I go, well, wait a second. Cause yeah. I didn't grow up with that. I, I'm experiencing God by myself apart from your Hmm. interpretation and being able to put all of those things kind of really quickly into that space. And so, you know, long story short, I think music was a vital part of that um, process for me, very pivotal in the way that I experienced learning about my faith in a practical application um, in the same way that anyone would, you know, go to a monastery and pray, Mm. you know, music was a part of that. Um, Mm. and at the same time, because of the nature of what music was and because I shared it, it's now like out there for everybody to kind of track and follow along with. So it's, you know, I, I would have never, you know, if I'd have known that then that this had been like this very public working out of my faith, Mm. um, yeah, sometimes I say that God tricked me. I think sometimes we're led into these spaces that if we knew the whole story, it would just be so overwhelming to us that we would say, totally. no, I can't. And, oh my gosh, totally. Right. Like in the, in the long term, you know, I think that's a strange thing about music. It's allowed me to be in a space that's a gift that's been unique to me. And and throughout the, the history of my life and the participation that I've had with that my faith tradition of Christianity as I I participate today has been a vital component. It gives me something to do. It gives me something personal, but it also gives me a gift to be able to share with other people. And when we talk about this in faith community to go, what is that thing that I have in my life that is both, Hmm. you know, that each of us have, that is both our anchor, um, unique to us and a privilege to have and, and a right to protect solitude yeah. and individuality, but at the same time is, is desperately waiting for us in the whole community to be able to share. That is a gift, mm. a unique gift for us to be able to have. So, um, it is. Yeah, it is. And as you're talking, I'm, I'm just nodding my head in recognition. That sort of art is a risk and, and we are left with the terrible conundrum of just writing what we know at the time and what's true at the time. And, but then of course it's like breadcrumbs. It's this trail of our own faith community on display for everybody, which is really vulnerable. Uh, And I want to get into that. You and I are going to unpack that in a minute. I wonder, I'm curious, I'm curious about your faith journey because I, I wonder if we could go back just a minute and I'd love for you to sort of unpack a little portion of it a little bit more because you sort of grew up in this Easter Christmas household. And then, you know, what we know of you is literally like a CCM star. So I'm curious how, how Christianity found you. Uh, you went to college on a music scholarship, right? And, yeah. um, and is that really where it took roots for you? And, um, did it, did it come to you in, when you were in a dark place? Um, how, how did you find that in such a real way? Uh, Christianity? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I tend to think that there was a SWAT team of Christians <laughs> that, that I know evangel- about this. <laughs> evangelized to me yes. in college. Oh, man. Yeah. Again, it's kind of like it's one of those weird team. stories for me that's like the, the two-sided coin. There's like a really amazing upside to it, and there's also like a really weird and uncomfortable dark side to it yeah. um, that – 
you know, on, on one hand of it, I had amazing friends in college that, that were really good friends. And for strangely enough, like was a gag, were a gaggle of a fairly diverse, um, Christians. Um, I was, a in and around a fellowship of Christian athletes meeting that was largely evangelical, but had, you know, a ton of Catholic kids in it, some just good, good old fashioned mainline students, as well as, um, just this mm-hmm. pretty vibrant and interactive, uh, evangelical community of kids. And they, you know, they, there was probably half a dozen girls who just made a mission out of me. Totally. <laughs> they were people who, who saw me in a place of like, I was definitely vulnerable and I was lost mm. and I was, I was definitely at a space where I was, I was dangerously for flirting with letting go of my own life by, by wow. choice or by accident. And I didn't see the value of that and that. And there were half a dozen young women who just absolutely did. And mm. in their own amazing way, just wanted me to know and see the beauty of my life and the gift of my life. However, it would, you know, at that time, there's no musician of any note or anything mm. like that. I was just mm-hmm. their friend in right. hurting. And I think they saw that and they, they definitely wanted to know, they wanted me to know liberation and healing mm. and safety and, and the character of God that made them see that life was worth living. And mm. I, I think that's an amazing thing. And I wouldn't undercut that for a second because I'll, I'll tell you that I'm here today because of that type of moment and mm. epiphany and going, wow, okay, fine. I got nothing left. Sure. Okay. You nutty wow. Christians, you know, right. Fine. I fine. surrender. Yeah. Right. And you know, I, I had no idea what that meant. Give your life to Christ. Mm. Okay, great. Right. That's, um, that's Christian lingo. That's yeah, evangelical lingo. I don't want to undercut when, when I talk sometimes today, I was like, yeah, I drank the Kool-Aid. Um, the, the part, the part that, of, of that, that was challenging was being immersed into a culture that sometimes forgot. Um, and, and I learned this kind of, I would say probably within the first couple of years, being immersed in the culture that took for granted what liberation and what it meant to be saved. Um, mm-hmm. who, who made conquest out of, you know, this is what we do. We save our friends. We save, we save yeah. our friends versus like, no, we love our friends. We love our friends. We love our friends. And by that love, we save them. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, it's, it's a pretty hardcore critique of yeah. people who did something really genuine, um, not to take anything away from that. But I think, you know, 20 years down the track and talking about what gets infused in the way that I participate with Christianity in the public today, and the message mm-hmm. that I have in the music and even talking about the LGBTQ advocacy I have, it's right. part of that narrative and understanding from the very beginning of you know, this is an this is a foreign experience to me, and I'm not just here because I want to buy into religion. I'm here mm. because I I found out something that I actually believe to be mm. a, a true ex- the truest part of that experience was not that somebody said become a Christian and your life will be mm. better. The true part of that experience was finding out that the good news was actually true. That That's good. I am a person that is loved by mm. God as I understand God, who God is that even regardless of the religion or the things that we argue about in doctrine and, and, and the things that right. we get right and the ways that we love people well and the ways that we do ourselves in injustice by acting Christians, acting as Christians poorly is that somewhere in there that, that we are whole, whole loved and amazing, gifted, talented, 
wonderful human beings wherever we're found. And to be able to to find that on on the worst of days is an epiphany. And to be able to celebrate that on the strongest of days is absolute liberation. And that's the part of the story that continues to kind of engage me and 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 be a part of that. Even though, like you said, we have these we have these kind of fits and starts. And I think this is where the creative community or writers or theologians who, who, who publish, I think that is a thing that we can lead into that is that it's not all written. (laughs) You know, the Mm. book that I write today or the words that I write today or the photograph that you take to me of me is not set in stone. It's ongoing. The long story. Thank God I'm not wearing stonewashed jeans from the eighties and big hair. Like, um, yeah. But at the same time, I don't need to be ashamed of that. It is an ongoing growth. I will do something today that perhaps in 10 years from now, I'll look back and go, oh, my God, I can't yeah. believe I said that or did that. What I can tell you about 20 years later is I'm still honored and privileged to be able to mm. to still have hope inside of that, to feel That's like good. I've, I don't know, if gained ground. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if gained ground is that, but probably a better way I would say it is like, I don't feel like I'm better at doing anything, but I have a deeper sense of knowing that's good. Um, an ownership of the experience that you, you have, mm. right. That it's not just book knowledge. You're not just repeating right. it. It's in your bones. It's part that's of right. your being. I really appreciate your generous and charitable assessment of the of the journey. It really is easy to look back and just want to burn it down or recognize either, um, sort of a rosy version of the story without allowing yourself the honesty of, of appropriate critique or all the terrible parts without being able to honor what was true and good. And you've, um, you've thread that needle really beautifully. We've watched you do that for years. It's been really instructive to me personally, um, as, uh, my faith also has like faith does it turns and it bends and it moves and it's living and it's active and it's not static at all. Um, and I think having a really, having you model in a healthy way what it looks like um, to hold it, the whole clunky thing in tender hands has really been something to watch. And it's, it's, it's been really inspiring. Um, I want to move into where you, where you have been and where you are now, but I, you just have to tell us because it's such a, it's such an interesting and an unusual and rare jump to go from being a girl playing the trumpet uh, with some real earnest, you know, evangelical friends on the college campus to cutting an album in the CCM market. I mean, that's <laughs> that's not normal. That's you've made a leap somewhere, and we need some more information. Um, yeah, can you talk about point A to point B? <laughs> I've officially started, you know, kind of seriously practicing Christianity. I think I was like 18 years old. And by 20, I was doing concerts um, inside of two years, like in and around my region and my church and stuff like that. And I can't remember when it was exactly that I signed. It wasn't exactly overnight, but um, I think my business record with Goatee Records released in 1998 and I think I maybe signed with them or started talking regularly with Christian labels around 1996. So that was about four, about three years maybe after I became a Christian. Um, 
yeah, it was pretty quick. Uh, I, I don't, I don't really know or how to explain it. I mean, I definitely had a friend of mine who was managing me at the time and just encouraging me to actually do this. Like I never really yeah. kind of, I never really saw it. I had no idea. One, I had no idea there was Christian music. I had no idea right. what it was. Uh, <laughs> I'd never heard of DC talk. Uh, sure. I'd never heard of, you know, I think at the time it was like a lot of Twyla Paris, Jeff Moore in the distance, uh, yeah. DC talk, uh, totally. big tent revival. Um, yeah. Uh, and I'd never heard of like third day, even third day was just a little uh, bit before you, or the more your contemporaries were part of that kind of nineties generation of young and up and comers. But I had no idea that that stuff existed. And of course, all my evangelical friends said, no, now you have to stop listening to secular music. And here's the Christian music you listen to. And I was like, Oh, that's, and and not all of it was, I mean, there's some really good stuff. A lot of it was. Well, you know, the cool part was, is that I actually ran into artists who were like artists like Mike, Knott, uh, Dakota Mm -hmm. motor company, a lot of West coast artists, six minutes, none the richer, uh, sure. there was a, a huge independent scene, a lot of tooth and nail artists as well coming through Kansas city where I was playing a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there were, there were like that big move of, of that cultural shift in the, the late nineties that I was actually really fortunate to be a part of Kademan's call her day, yep. Sarah Mason, um, you know, the list goes on of those kinds of artists. I was part of that and didn't even know it. Sure. Like it was just this, this movement. So that was, that was a part of you know, a quick overnight thing. And I, I didn't really aspire to be a part of it. I was just, I really loved being able to play and hang out with young people and, and really dive into them, like the real issues and the things that got us questioning. And like, for me, faith has been like at least 50% intellectual. Like it's in my head. Mm -hmm. It's deeply, it's something that I've been very fascinated and deeply engaged with it, you know, mentally. Um, and to be able to talk and, with other people about that was part of what drew me to other artists that were getting together and talking about mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but Goatee, Goatee offered me a record somewhere in there. And I, I remember having a meeting with, I think DC talk was doing a tour in Kansas city. And they said, somebody said, Oh, well, Toby Mac wants to, you know, and I'm like, who's Toby Mac. Right. And, <laughs> and I'm awesome. going into this arena to have this meeting <laughs> with this, this guy named Toby Mac who owns this sure. record label called Goatee. And, okay, whatever. I don't, okay, fine. Uh, mm-hmm. and I ended up, and I, that's kind of the same way I ended up signing with Christian music. I was like, I didn't really see how I was going to fit in. I didn't really aspire sure. to do it. But at the same time, I felt like I was really fortunate. Goatee records was allowed me to be me. And, and I didn't have any aspirations to necessarily be anything. I just kind of put my head down and was concentrating on, on still just going, all right, if people want this music, yeah. I'll, I'll write it and you can have it. And if there's enough to make a record out of good, we'll just keep doing it. So, and there was, um, you know, obviously that was 20 years ago. So just as a human, as a person, as a musician, as an artist, you know, 20 years is you've come a long way in 20 years, but you should always be really proud of that season of your life. And, and as you're sort of listing that cabal of musicians that you are a part of, it really was something special. It was. Um, for those of us who were paying attention, it was amazing to hear you and to, to listen to the songs that you wrote and the sound that was really only yours. I mean, nobody, nobody had the same sound as you at all. And um, that, that really marked a moment in Christian music. I think that was really special that I've never seen anything like it in the rest of my lifetime. So it's neat that you'll kind of always have that 
that community that you were absolutely positively a, a part of. I remember when we all first heard Kansas, which by the way, should you want to, I could sing all of it to you. Every <laughs> song, every verse, just, I'm just saying that's available to you if you ever need that service. Um, well, there's a few we, times I've had to Google to remember how to, what the lyrics of the song are. So I should just, Google, I should just give you a ring. Just next call time. me. <laughs> just call me. I don't need to Google anything. Um, and we just hadn't heard any, there was just no, there was no Jennifer Knapp except for you. And, um, your music mattered to so, so many of us when we needed it. I want to talk about um, sort of moving forward in your life. Um, obviously, when any artist decides to change course in any way, whether it's, I don't know, creating music in a different genre or taking time out of the spotlight or spending time inward, it's not a small decision. And there's a lot of variables and there are a lot of factors that go into that. And so can you talk a little bit to uh, to me and to my community after such a a really what seemed a quick pretty quick shot to start them? Um, why you decided to take a break from the spotlight? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it's it's easy to to talk about it now because it, it it's sort of like you know looking back in time and history and you, there's now a narrative that I can put to what was like a wildly sure. jumping off a cliff experience at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, what I would say now is it's actually somewhat comforting to me, even after the 10 years since coming back and doing music again, I, I look at in 2002, I, I actually, actually in 2001, I quit yeah. <laughs> and I told everybody that I was quitting and that yeah. I, everywhere that I went, everybody I talked to, I was done. Like You're I was done. I was a spent human being. Like people talk about meeting me within that year. And I go, really, who did you meet? And was she nice to you? And most people go, no, she was terrible. I didn't enjoy the experience at all. She seemed like she was on drugs and had like hollow eyes. And a, it was a real could, low moment of 2001 yeah, meeting I'm you. Like, yeah, I'm really sorry you met her. Cause that was, pretty um, but I spent a year, I had like in 2001, I I'd, I'd had it and I really just needed a break of some kind. And, and, I committed to finishing the contract. So it took me a year to finish the contracts that I had up mm. and in 2002. That, so at the end of 2002, um, I, I just, I still see that the moment in my eyes where I put, mm. um, my guitars back in their case, I was on the side of the stage and I just put my guitars back in the case, shut them. And I'm like, that's it. I'm done. Wow. And, Gosh. uh, it was just, and it hurt, man. It was just, mm. even today when I talk about it, it's like, oh, it's so awful just mm. to feel like that I couldn't proceed with. And so like loaded up when it wasn't, I know like there's a narrative that includes my sexual orientation in that. And I got to be honest, I would just say it was just so far down and seemed inconsequential mm. at the time. Like yeah. I didn't know that that was in the suitcase. I did then. And I do now take very seriously the responsibility of what it means to talk about this way of life at that time and seeing the trend of where we were going and spending my, like, quote unquote, my entire life, the entire time I was in CCM, there was always this dark cloud of hypocrisy, um, hmm. uh, a dark cloud of, you know, there, there's, you know, I was frustrated with the pay gap at some days, like up to 50% yeah. less yeah. than my male counterparts would get That's right. to things that I was allowed to say and not allowed to say. Yeah. And, and white male authority to yep. the things that as at the time I was a 27 year old adult female, 
woman who had been a Christian for some years and had had the ability clearly to be able to deeply engage respectfully and authoritatively engage with my faith on a public level Hmm. and then to have consistently be undermined and told that I didn't matter and that what I had to say was suspect Hmm. and that the character of my soul was in question because I was willing to challenge the status quo. That's right. And, you know, early on, I think in my career, of course, I would, I was learning and sucking up everything, being a sponge and being a disciple. And the gift of that discipleship and taking that seriously was like, man, I've got some muscles here. I want to use them. I want to run. I want to test what I've learned about God's nature. And then when I went out to do it, I was just getting my arms just slapped. And it was totally terrible, excruciating experience that was mm-hmm. bound up in the very gifts that I had to offer. That's right. In, and, and in a very public way. And like I said, like sexual orientation, what? Like, no, yeah. we're, talking, we're talking about a, a doctrinal issue or a traditional issue. We're talking about something yeah. fundamentally about whether or not I even want to participate in this yeah. community at all, because I knew somewhere in there, whatever the qualities of me in, you know, tomboy, girl from Kansas, singer, songwriter, mm-hmm. theologian, whatever those things that were going to be on the buffet, that there were at any given time, a community would absolutely try and erase and blot out or punish me for That's any right. one of those qualities was just mm-hmm. something that I really was like, I can't. At that time, I, I didn't have the physical ability to, to withstand it anymore. I didn't have, I had to go heal. Like I just couldn't yeah. do it one more day. And I was you know, part of that was rage and anger, but also it was like a, a real loss. Like I wept for probably every day for close to a year, wow. just like bone rattling, hmm. death rattle kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and, and never had I been at the same time so glad to feel like I could wash my hands of it. And it, it took hmm. you know, fast forwarding ahead. It took seven years to recover and even contemplate whether or not I Gosh. would be that I would ever be willing to publicly share anything about wow. who I was as a human being. And yeah. and I'm not even talking on a, on a massive scale. I was living in Australia at the time. And some, some friends of mine were saying, you know, we've got this artist group in our church that's getting together and we're working through Julia Cameron's artist way. Yeah. And I, yeah. it was just a, it was a massive decision for me to even hmm. like walk into a room with six other people in a quiet yeah. place. That nobody ever knew about. And to be a, mm-hmm be able to begin to start in an intimate environment and be trusting just four or five people and, mm-hmm. and to think that that was a worthwhile exchange. And, and that took, you know, several years, uh, but you know, the rest is history, I, I guess, so to speak. Now, like at this point in your life, you know, now that you were, and I know it felt it. I know I can only imagine how lonely that felt in that season season of your life. But that you actually weren't alone. That there were like hundreds of thousands of people asking the same questions and experiencing the same tension inside their faith communities, um, the same sort of rules and rejections. Um, and so you were a little bit of a front runner. I, I, I see you as a bit of a lead blocker for a lot of people who came behind you um, with very similar questions. Real. So a lot of the similar tug of war in their own hearts and and you gave some language ultimately I think to a, a spiritual development that a lot of a lot of people in our generation have gone through including myself
Hey guys, Jen breaking in to make a quick recommendation. As a writer and creative myself, I know how easy it is to fall into like working in a vacuum when I'm trying to get a project done isn't the best way or time for me to, I don't know, expand my perspective or help me grow in my craft, which is why I love Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community for creators, for creatives of any kind. So with more than 25,000 classes in design and business, writing, social media, photography, so much more. You can discover, honestly, endless ways to fuel your curiosity um, or your creativity or even the career you already have. So you can join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a very awesome offer just for my listeners. You can get two months of Skillshare for free. Skillshare is offering the For the Love community two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for absolutely free. So to sign up, this is how all you have to do. Go to Skillshare.com slash For the Love. Okay, that's it. That's the link you need. Skillshare.com slash For the Love to start your free two months right now. This is a good investment in you, in your work, in your creativity, and in your dreams. So Skillshare.com slash For the Love. Okay, back to our show. I'm curious about if you, and maybe it's fuzzy, I'm not sure, but when, when you look back at over those seven or so years um, of, of healing and sort of having peeled back from your incredibly successful career, um, which, should, which speaks to the sincerity um, of your story and of your heart, but um, what would you say, I mean, or could you point to a hand, a couple or however many there are, factors that were that really played into your healing like what was it can can you can you think back to some of the um, elements in your life that really delivered some healing to you particularly talking about like what's now labeled as my seven-year hiatus (laughs) Um, how lovely (laughs) I rediscovered and claimed and became familiar with my own voice Hmm. and what I mean by that is it's pretty simple. You know, we've had this running log in our head, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, well, maybe we don't, maybe I'm just in pain. You know, this is me. This is when I, you know, you ask me what I want and I will tell you what I want, you know, without worrying mm-hmm. about the consequences of that or worrying about what people are going to judge when I say I want, I need, mm-hmm. I dream, but you know, fill in the blank of whatever that that verb is like, that's my own voice. It's not because I'm trying to keep mm-hmm. up with the, the crowd. You know, I'm not saying I want this because everyone will like me if, or maybe you are, but being able to know that that's my voice, that I'm not, it's good. I'm not, I'm not imagining what God wants me to think, or I'm not imagining what you want me to think. It's, it's my voice. And mm-hmm. to know that, and the reason why I point that out and why, and why it was so difficult. And at the same time, so liberating to be able to say, listen, I know my voice and I need to hear from it. It's good. Um, because and this is particularly true, especially when I talk to a lot of women who have come up through evangelical Christianity as well, we are trained to distrust our own selves. It's, of course. It's, 
it's written in our theology that, you know, That's that right. we're supposed to want the will of God and not our own will. Right. And we've had centuries of Christian the- theology and thought that has tried to undermine the value of who we are as human mm-hmm. beings, that we are, we are starting from beginning place of corruption and that to listen to a voice from a corrupted human being really terrible, yeah. awful idea. And totally. at some point in time, like, like I couldn't survive. Well, I can't listen to that anymore. If I don't, listen to myself at least for a little while, I'm going to, I'm going to like, I'm, this is not, this is untenable. That's good. And, and I was like, well, I have to then like, I have to Mm -hmm. test this. You're like, I'm not testing this because I want to be a rebel or that I don't believe you. I'm testing this out of survival. The struggle for, for truly open LGBTQ affirmation in our faith communities is that we deny what, what we're saying that we deny is somebody's authentic voice inside of our own spaces. We say that that authentic voice is corrupt. And that's that's a shocking thing to say to another human being, that the core of who you are, broken and a black seed, is an evil thing, is a horrendous blow to the truth of where we begin. So fundamentally, yeah, finding my own voice in that. But here's a caveat that. Okay. Like I'll I'll, st- I'll wrap it up with this is in finding that own voice. Tent was the most redemptive experience of that seven years because mm. what I found out was breaking the testing that tr- I didn't start as fundamentally flawed. When I understood that God was no longer my enemy, that God mm. wasn't trying to change me into something. God was trying to water me and grow me. That this faith experience could be something that was a ray of sunshine and not not handcuffs, not mm. a cell, but an open world of liberation. And to me, that that was one of the fundamental things just to start from that. I think we have to really seriously look at how we talk about what it means to be a human being again and to not necessarily talk about transformation as from just a brokenness no, like we're broken when we're not growing. We're broken when we're not creating. We're broken when we don't believe that our fundamental goodness begins with absolute joy, wonderment, and and liberation. Mm. I'm done. <laughs> and sane. I really love that. I um I identify with what you're saying so very much. And uh, I know for me, when I put my first foot on the first step of the path um, toward reevaluating what I had been taught and I thought I understood about um, just the LGBTQ community and the community of God, um, it was because the spirit in me, which I had always considered precious, and nurtured by God and um, protected and very um, just sort of um, nourished was telling me something different. It was just telling me a different story than my brain was telling me um, that the, where all the sort of sterile information lived. And, um, and it was this real break in, um, and in this this sort of tug between what my spirit was saying, this is there is no way 
that this is right. There's no way because look at the horrible fruit of it. Um, and then my brain with just the narratives that I grew up in, same as you, um, were at war for one of the, one of the first times. And so, um, I really appreciate your leadership on, um, on teaching us that, uh, you know, I think that internal voice, that spirit of God inside of us is really powerful and good. Like just, it's good and it's true and it leads us well. And so, um, I wonder, I know you've talked a lot about this and so thanks for, for going into it one more time for the podcast, but, um, I wonder if we could talk a little bit about, um, you're coming out and what that experience was like for you. And, um, and, and there's just, I, I, I can only imagine the, the, the weight of it when you um, realize that your own internal convictions and then you're going to say those out loud are going to conflict um, with people that, well, you probably love and people that love you and your community at large. And so I wonder if you could talk about that season a little bit. Uh, I wonder if you could tell my listeners a little bit about Karen, um, who, <laughs> you know, helped you realize it's not who, but how. Um, and, and just, uh, I, you know, we watched that. A lot of us watched that. Um, and I would just love to hear it from, from your mouth, kind of what that season was like and where you drew your courage from and what was hard and what was good. That's a lot. I think I gave you <laughs> yeah, 12 questions. Um, just pick we're, one. We're start with just that. pick whatever of the 12 questions I just fired off to you. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think, I think one of the important things that I would say is that I had been in my relationships for a good five years before I was back into music. And so the public media campaign coming out, like this is the day that Jennifer announces to the world was kind of a weird thing because I mm. had a life that wasn't the right. closet. Um, it was just, right. this is a bit of information now that needs clarity for everybody else. Um, but that's not to say that that wasn't a moment. It really was, you know, it was the declaration that yeah. nobody knew about that I already knew and everybody important around me. The decision that I had to make was this an important thing to do. Um, mm. Because I got back to Nashville, I was doing music again. A lot of Christian retailers got really excited because they heard I was recording. Sure. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to cuss a lot on this record. So you're probably not going <laughs> to like it. One, two, <laughs> I'm not talking about Christianity on this record. That's another reason. And three, you're probably I've seen what you guys have done in the past. When you figure yeah. out that I'm in a same sex relationship, you're really not going to want to like me. That's right. So and and so part of it, I, I got to be honest, one of the one of the things of making that decision to do it was like absolutely just an integrity thing. Like I didn't want mm -hmm. anyone to be confused that I was trying to hide anything or yes. lie about anything. I was like, listen, like, yes, I've been walking around Nashville for like a good year and of my now wife. And mm -hmm. I didn't have, you know, there's nothing for me to hide here. So That's you right. might as well deal with it. And the, the backside of that and what made it possible for me to do that in a strange way is just going, listen, I will be so glad to see the backside of you people. Like, that's goodbye. Like, fine. Like, I knew that I would lose friends and I didn't want those people weren't my friends. <laughs> you know, those people, you know, that kind of and if you wanted a fight and you wanted, I didn't kind of anticipate still being here and 10 years later being engaged. That's been a whole other choice um, of me to in a whole other conversation. But what I, 
I think, was part one. It was a decision of integrity. It was a decision that I made on behalf of LGBTQ people that I knew to 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 say just as, as people just to go, listen, I, I do love you and I do care about you. And I know that these things matter. And so I am not going to hide that. And I'm going to let you share in that expression with me. Um, and it's going to be okay for us. Like, there's no sense in doing this. Like we're, we're going to call a spade a spade in my own mind. Um, and, and the other, I didn't want anyone to have to buy something that was antithetical to them. I didn't mm. want feel like they'd been duped. I'd been duped enough in Christianity. Like, wow. You know, yeah. I, I, I know point. what that feeling that I, I know what that feels like to, to get into walk the room and, and, and think that you're there among people who love you and want to be your friend. And it turns out you've got to buy the Amway package or you've got to buy into the whole pair. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a scheme instead of actually people Finding you into a social place that they want you to have be there. So I just didn't want to be a part of that anymore. And the willingness to be able to do that was part of me is just going, you know, I was really comfortable with my own faith. I was deeply anticipating and hoping that it could be a private thing now. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. And nice, nice try, cutie. Yeah. I, like what made that possible for me was like, I was willing to lose it. I was w- absolutely yeah. willing and grateful to be in a position where like, I, I just understood that these people were my friends. And I, and part of that was knowing seven years before those people were toxic to me, like mm-hmm. being in that environment and trying to live up to something. I knew the standard I wasn't going to reach. And I was actually at peace with, yeah. with being able to say, I don't, I don't need that. I don't want it. And it's not a loss to me. Mm-hmm. That sounds really easy. Cause we're talking, that's, that was, you know, yeah. an absolute yeah. break and seven yeah. years of yeah. being away from that toxicity to find my own voice and then to have enough courage to be me, to know it and claim it and walk it, to be able to do something that seems like a huge thing that I didn't even know was a huge thing at the time. Mm-hmm. So Gosh, you just can't even put a price on that sort of internal liberation. You really can't. I mean, the, the cost to trying to manage the, the persona and the rules spoken and unspoken that you left behind, it's, it's just so high. It's just so high to say nothing of the fact of what you would have to keep hidden. Um, and, you know, we don't have to just turn a quarter of a turn anywhere and you'll find somebody in the LGBTQ community who's just been so hurt and wounded from that environment. And there's just no other way to conceive of it than this is rotten. I mean, there's just no other way, like just at the core of who we are and what, how we know God has made us and how he loves us and how he delights in us and just the goodness in humans. I just, um, at at one point, I mean, I had to, I'm just like this like straight mom with five kids, but, um, I walked through some of the same spaces as you and realized, um, this is whatever this costs, I'm glad to pay it. And, um, and it does cost and, and, and there's, and you paid a price and I, I appreciate the strong way that you are um, describing your journey, but there was a cost to it too. I mean, you're human, you're not immune to the words of people and that level of attention, which we're just not geared for. It's strange. It's disorienting. Um, but I think you weathered it with a lot of grace. Well, I I think talking about the cost is a, a really important thing to not to, to not drive by, um, there's, 
you know, I, I would say definitely I've paid economically. I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've learned, I've had to learn through multiple phases of my life, what it means at certain points, the cost that, that it takes to, to, to win your own soul. That's the only way I, I know how to describe it. Like the honor and the privilege that I have right now of, of being just one of those innately fortunate people to have a hell of a lot of fight in them. I'm like, this is mine. Mm. This is my life. Mm. I somewhere along the way hmm. through the gift of my, my spiritual experience. I, that's, that's something that's, that's really a hard thing to break in. It's easier to break in a lot of other people. Um, I don't want to take that for granted, but the cost of that, that, that deeply concerns me is yes, there, there are a lot of these economic things going on. There's a lot of, you know, there are families that get lost and broken up by these decisions that we make in your lives. Um, there's, you know, and at the head of the pen is, you know, our own individual experience and, and, and like that kind of phrase sometimes plays in my head oftentimes like no man is an island uh but i also think of henry nowen a lot uh, recently in a a lovely essay that he wrote called reaching out and there's this fundamentally in i don't want to say individual but this fundamentally lonely or or place of solitude this inner what i what he called inner sanctuary the the place that is between us and god and it's the challenge of knowing that place and knowing where it is takes a lot of courage to be able to go to that inner sanctuary, knowing that we will be alone, hmm. just us and God. And the challenge yeah. of that is to find a way of that being a nurturing place of solitude and commitment and trust that God will be there to nurture us and not leave us isolated, marginalized, or lonely. That's hmm. It is a lifetime trying to understand that concept like I know it now. There's a knowing that I have about it, but there's still a challenge to be able to articulate that. That's right. I think if there's a challenge to us as a church, as a as people who who raise our hands and say we will be responsible for the language of this and the tradition of this, and we're people who know. If we are people who know, we we need to be engaged in understanding how traumatic those transitional spaces have been. Go to your inner sanctuary. We trust you to be there alone. Let us hold you and defend the boundaries. Of the, you know, that's the thing that we can do. Love that. I you love know, that imagery. That's beautiful. And people go, well, if you get off the treadmill, your career's over. You shouldn't mm. do that. You shouldn't be alone, particularly as a woman. Oh, you shouldn't be alone on a tri- trip mm. by yourself. You shouldn't be thinking by yourself without the direction of a male. You shouldn't be mm. alone with two people. Otherwise, you guys are probably having sex. I'm like, okay, mm. whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. this, this kind of constant barrage for us. And it works both ways that like kind of this, this idea that we shouldn't be alone, that we should be observed in our Christianity or this idea that, you know, that we can't have a good thought in that, or that when we come back out, the thought that we had by ourselves is anyway contributing to our body. There's that space in there that's, that I think we can get much better at. And I think you've touched on it. Like in the last 20 years in my lifetime with my art and my experience as well, like the, the artists that I've grown up with, we're a generation of people who even 20 years ago that, you know, in my twenties, I'm like understanding this rupture in this break that we see that and now not just talk about it and not just say, yes, it's been costly, but to begin to be restorative, to be able to say, yeah, you know what? You shouldn't have had to pay that cost. Let's share 
in <laughs> the share in the rebuilding of that. I think there's a, in that metaphor, I'm willing to pay certain things, but there's a certain price. It shouldn't leave me in poverty. It shouldn't leave me broken. It should leave us as a community coming together. And that's our real challenge in this time. And, mm. and we're out, where I will adamantly circle back to, as an example of the LGBTQ community, I think has been shining stars in the last 20 years of being able to understand this concept to just simply say that it's a concept of LGBTQ affirmation short is the challenges we've all been going through to be able to understand that fundamentally we can't we can't be parsing who is and who is out or what voice is or what isn't good that God is genuinely genuinely in love with us all to be able to get at that the lgbtq community has to pay that and it's it's right. it's you know i will tell you and it's in my uh, my privilege to be able to say we shouldn't have to pay anymore we have a That's gift right. to give take That's and right. receive the gift it is uh, it, I, yes. it will cost perhaps to take that gift but the cost is the same thing that we always have to pay anytime we're learning something new you know That's great if i can give you a, a hope that there's a fruit there there. It's not out of deception. It's a, a genuine hope for a liberation that I've discovered in my own life and I hope will bear fruit in the lives of others. I mean, talk about a community that should that has written the book on forgiveness. And I, I, my husband and I look at each other sometimes and literally just shake our heads going, I can't believe they keep wanting to come back to church. Like, I can't believe they'll still love God after all of this. And yet there is this fierce, it's kind of what you described a minute ago. There's just this fight um, for their own belovedness and their own belonging. And it's really, talk about an instructor to the church right now. everyone, Jen breaking in with a quick message about our new sponsor, allmodern.com. So All Modern is an online-only destination for literally amazing furniture. They offer modern styles from mid-century to Scandinavian to minimalist, and it's super simple. So you shop from home or on the go, wherever you are. Find the sofa that you saw and loved on Instagram, but for way, way less, and get it fast. All their furniture ships free and most in just two days, you guys, like not six to eight weeks, like most furniture places I've shopped. And this is the best part. All Modern offers in-room delivery and assembly. <laughs> so if you've ever attempted to like follow the 97 steps to assembling a chair from the directions you get, that's like reason enough to raise your hands to the heavens and take advantage of this offer. So you are going to love their styles, their prices, and definitely how quick they deliver. So just for our listeners, you can get 10% off your first purchase at allmodern.com by using the promo code for the love. So that's promo code for the love at allmodern.com. All right, let's get back to our show. Speaking of forgiveness, um, there's a really powerful line from your book that I loved. Um, you wrote, we have the power to reshape the anger we experience into acts 
of forgiveness. I think that's really moving and actually applicable right now in our culture. Uh, I just, we're angry right now and everything feels so brittle. Um, uh, you actually channeled that forgiveness into, into a foundation that you started called Inside Out Faith, and it's doing such great work, such good, good, good work. And I think my listeners would love to know about it. Can you just talk for a minute about Inside Out Faith and what you do there? Uh, yeah, insideoutfaith.org uh, is the website. Uh, basically, it's it's the extension of my saying yes to participating in in the in my faith community. Uh, and advocating for LGBTQ affirmation. Uh, so, you know, what you know, I go out and do a lot of speaking. Obviously, I, I'm willing to engage. But we're trying to, you know, get a lot more people involved, and and not just talking about LGBTQ affirmation inside of specifically faith communities. To be able to have people of faith, people who religion and their spiritual practices have been a vital component to understanding their own LGBTQ existence in the world. Like it's, it's an incredibly healing and liberating thing. And to be able to be a part of that as, as part of our goals. I think yeah. one of the biggest lies that, that we're obviously starting to overcome is that the LGBTQ individual is a dead spiritual human being. It's, yes. It's, you know, you oh, were talking right. about, you know, like this astonishment that, you know, why do LGBTQ people keep coming back to a church that's, you know, has a, a long history of resisting and vilifying them because you can't stop us. We exist. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we're here and we have vibrant spiritual lives and, and we know this and we understand this. The church doesn't belong to you. <laughs> you that's know, right. We may not go to your churches anymore or you may not let us in or whatever versions of that. We, we all kind of practice in wildly varying ways. But I think that, that for me, Inside Out Faith is, is part of that story. We want to be part of sharing those stories, giving an inside view and, and inside view of the fact that it's not a question of, you know, like when I first started this 10 years ago, it was weird to me because people would say, well, can you be gay and Christian? And I'd be like, well, yeah, like right. there's, there's no debate to be had. Like, well, yeah. I'm gay and I'm a Christian. So what's your problem? Like right. <laughs> happening. It's right. happening right now. Right. And, like, oh, right. Well. It's not up for debate. Right. Like, uh, and we can get into it if you want, and we can have a theological conversation about it. We can get into doctrine and tradition. We can do all that, sure. but it's pretty simple. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> that again is part of um, a, a new beautiful story that the community is writing into the church right now in our generation. And I find it hopeful. I'm, I feel encouraged and I, um, I'm watching um, my community and our little church here and um, just begin just transform in beautiful, good and important ways. And I feel really hopeful for our ne the next generation and certainly the one behind them. I don't know if you hold a lot of hope for it. You must, um, because you're, you're taking the time to do this really important work. Um, but I thank you for your, your steadfastness and, um, your commitment to, to that community, to the church at large, to God. I'm just, I'm really in awe of it. And it's instructive to me and we're better for your gifts. And so, um, I, I can't, I can't, um, tell you enough how much I respect you and how grateful I am for your story and that you've been willing to share it with us even after all this time. 
Um, cause I mean, honestly, just sometimes enough people just leave me alone. I just want to eat a sandwich. Um, <laughs> and so thank you. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah. I want to ask you very quick rapid fire questions to wrap this up. We, um, <laughs> we're actually asking everybody this in this series. Here's the first one, just whoever comes to mind, whatever's right there at the ready. Like, so when, when you need it, when you need to pick me up, who do you play? Lee Madigan. Okay, nice. Is, We're leave it, that. She's actually a stand-up comedian. <laughs> I haven't been listening. I haven't been listening to, uh, the last couple of years. I haven't listened to a lot of music. I've listened <clears throat> to a lot of stand-up comedy, though. I love stand-up comedy. It's a different um, kind that's... of music to me. Strange. Yeah, but... it's still art. It's still art, and it's a really interesting form of communication, and I love it too. Um, this is the last one. This is actually a question we ask every guest, um, and Barbara Brown Taylor wrote it in one of her um, early books. Um, and this, it can be whatever you want. This can be serious. It can be not serious. It can be real. It can be funny. Um, what is saving your life right now? Extended vacations. Oh my like, god! I knew you were going to say that. Getting off the treadmill, like making the decision to be like not working, yeah. like seriously not working. I'm taking, you know, yeah, four yeah. years, four years since I had a holiday and I'm taking seven years off and, or sorry, not seven years, off, seven weeks off. And yeah. it's, it's probably four weeks longer than my conscience will allow. And I'm just now two <laughs> weeks into it, starting to not feel guilty about not working. Like it's, oh. it's a deliberate, it's a deliberate choice and it's a life-saving choice and it's an okay thing to do, even if it's financially taxing. Oh my gosh. Are you spending the entire seven weeks in Australia? Uh, yeah, but all over, I'll be from Tasmania all the way to Brisbane, like up and down the Eastern, uh, corridor of, of Australia. So I'm, I'm really grateful to be back here and, and to, at my second home. Good for you. Will you just tell everybody real quick, like what you're working on and where they can find you? JenniferNapp.com is the yeah. the source for all of, you know, Twitter, Facebook links, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Definitely plug into Instagram. Uh, but come uh, the spring where the plan is to finish up the Love Comes Back Around tour in the West Coast. So Pacific Northwest, California, and all points west of the Mississippi. We're going to try and uh, add a few more dates in the uh, spring 2019. So stay tuned for that. And then uh, also on this vacation, I'm going to be like doing some dreaming, which is really great. And what the next few years looks like, because as a lot of people know, have been following me, I've just, you know, in May, I just finished uh, like getting my master's in theological studies. Uh, I've been touring a little bit madly since then. And so I, I want to get into the space of talking about uh, achieving some of the, the mad hatting schemes that I've thought about. So you know, yes. keep us in your thoughts and prayers. Staying connected to people is one of the driving forces of creativity. So, yeah, stay plugged in. Bravo. Love it. Love it. Thank you for um, being on the show today. I just have literally enjoyed every single second of this conversation with you. Um, I, um, I'm i just cheering you on, really, in every way. And proud of you and so glad to learn from you and to follow you. And I want to thank you, too, just for all that you and your music and your career and your story and your honesty has meant to me in my life. Yeah, uh, thank you. I, I deeply appreciate it. And uh, uh, thank you guys for having me on. Thanks, Jennifer. Okay, guys. I totally loved that conversation and I hope that you did too. I um, talk about somebody with a lot of depth and grace and wisdom. I just loved listening to Jennifer talk and um, 
I'm grateful for her. She's just been such a big deal to me and her music has just mattered. If you're just now getting to know her music, I'm so jealous of you that you're discovering this for the first time. Um, go and download it. The old stuff, the new stuff, it is all good. She is a, like, she's a gifted singer songwriter and she's got her own sound and you're going to love her. Um, I'm going to have all these links at jenhatmaker.com underneath the podcast. We'll have Jen's socials and her amazing book, which was, she writes like an artist. So it's a really beautiful read and all of her music. And, um, so follow her, follow her and follow along on her story and her journey. I just, I find her leadership really important um, in this sort of world that we're in right now. So, um, so much more to come in this series, you guys, you asked for the love of music and I'm so happy. I'm so glad about it because we're all over the map in this series. We are not just focusing on one genre. We are, we have all kinds of guests to bring you that you're going to love. You already do love. Um, and so you're not going to want to miss any of it. We're having so much fun with this one. Uh, come back next week for sure. I have an outstanding episode for you and you guys, thanks for reviewing and rating and subscribing to podcasts. That's so good for all podcasts are specifically. And thanks for sharing it. If you liked this episode, share it with your folks. And cause we got more that came from. So you guys have a fabulous week. Thanks for being here and see you next time. That's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this chat. Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs up rating if you like it. From the whole Hatmaker family, I hope you have a great week and see you next time.